You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I said in the early service, that song is uh, really what I'm preaching this morning. It's a beautiful song. Thinking about just the, the chorus alone. I was the reason, that one earthly reason. I was guilty. He was the sacrifice. I was the taker. He was the giver. Dying while I go free. That one earthly reason was me. Thank you for being in church this morning. And uh, I, I'm not going to promise that I won't be long. Um, you ask any of our teens, I'll say, in, uh, whether it's Sunday school or whether it's uh, on Wednesday evenings and our teens on target class will say, okay, teens, you know, I, I won't be long tonight. It's just a, a, a simple thought. And then those are the nights that we tend to go a little bit longer than usual. So I'm not going to promise anything, um, but uh, I know lunch is calling. So I've got, I've got one word I'd like to share with you um, this morning. And it's a word that should be very evident in every Christian's life. Not just a one-time thing, but a daily thing. And that word this morning is the word grace. Would you take your Bibles this morning? Uh, we're going to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're, we're looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, this morning. Uh, 8, 9, and 10, maybe you've memorized it as a child, maybe you've memorized it as a, an adult. But what a powerful uh, couple of verses here that explain our state, that explain our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that uh, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father, Lord? I, I pray that in this time, that you'd speak to us. Lord, help us to listen. God, that our ears would be open, and not just our ears. But God, would you allow our hearts to be open and receptive to what you'd have for us this morning? God, I pray for me that, that I would step aside of myself and let you work in this service. God, as this thought uh, this morning... Uh, has, has been a, a reminder to me about how great, how amazing your grace is. God, would I be able to express that to your people this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In teen class, we've been covering the, the topic. Uh, Pastor Treber, uh, Pastor North Valley Baptist Church in California, he's uh, compiled a book of some uh, messages he preached on uh, as he studied this word, this topic of grace. And the book is entitled Grace Produces. Uh, we've we're going to be in our third lesson this Wednesday. Uh, Grace Produces Salvation was our first week. Grace Produces Joy was last week. And uh, I, won't, uh, I won't spill the beans on what we have this week, just so there's some kind of anticipation. Um, but this word grace is so incredible. Uh, not just because uh, my, my wife, her name is Grace, although I feel like uh, God was extra gracious to me to give me grace uh, as, as my wife. And I tell you what, I don't deserve that grace either. And God has been extra uh, good to me. Um, and uh, we've got two beautiful children by God's grace as well. Um, but this word grace, it means God, uh, uh, grace is unmerited favor. 
Grace is divine favor. We don't deserve it, but yet God chose to give us his favor. I think about uh, this word grace, and, and uh, maybe you've heard it this way, but grace is getting what we don't deserve. What don't we deserve as people? We, we don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve a, a, a home in heaven. We don't deserve any goodness that God w- would give to us. But yet it's by His grace that He has given it to us. We get what we don't deserve. The other end of the spectrum would be God's mercy. And mercy is God uh, not giving to us what we do deserve. Well, what do we deserve as humans because of our sinful state? Well, we deserve uh, destruction. We deserve the judgment of sin. We deserve to go to a place called hell to pay for our sins. And, and by God's mercy, He's not letting us go there. He's, he's not giving us uh, what we deserve. We deserve total separation from God. But God's mercy and His grace, by those things, we get to have a personal relationship with Him. That's by God's grace. I think of Luke 15, we have the prodigal son. The son who wanted to take his inheritance early and get out of town and go waste his life uh, with riotous living, spent all his inheritance, and we find him in Luke 15, uh, where, where he is literally in the pig pen. He is literally in the mud with the pigs, eating the same slop that the pigs are eating. And then he came to his senses and thought, man, I had it so good when I was in my father's house. I had it so good, and yet I took it for granted. I wanted to do my own thing. And so he decided to go back to his father. And what did his father do? I don't want you anymore, son. No, that's not what he did. He welcomed him back with open arms. What a wonderful picture of grace. Did that son deserve to to be welcomed back? By what he's done? No. But yet it's by the grace of the father that he was welcomed back. This wonderful picture of grace, I I hope I can uh, describe to you just a little bit the depths of the riches of God's grace this morning. You may have heard of the, the acrostic, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. This word grace is found 170 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we often find, and, and I think maybe there might be one exception, but with this word grace, there's another word that's found with it. And that word is found or find, found grace, or we find grace. And as we look at that, uh, 19 times, found grace, those two words together are found in the Old Testament. Find grace, found 12 times in the Old Testament. Uh, Where do we see this example? We see it in Noah. Noah, the Bible says, Noah found grace. God gave grace to Noah and didn't destroy him with the flood or his family. In the Bible, Genesis 19, Lot found God's grace. In Exodus 33, Moses found God's grace as God chose him to be the deliverer of his people. We also find in Judges 6 how Gideon found God's grace. The children of Israel found God's grace. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah says in 30, uh, chapter 31, verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of this sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. Did any of these people deserve grace? Did any of these people deserve mercy? Not at all. But that's the beauty of God's grace. So this morning, for just a few moments, I'd like to uh, describe to you, and this isn't all-encompassing, 
But yet I'd like to take a few moments just to describe to you the grace that God has given to you and, and, and he's given to me. This grace does a few things for us, and that, that would be my title is What Grace Does. Number one, if you're taking notes, grace gives. All these points are going to be grace does something, and they all start with the letter G. So number one, hopefully you can remember it that way, grace gives. But what does grace give then? Very obviously, we've just read it, uh, grace gives salvation. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. When we're, when we're given a gift, uh, kids at Christmas time, or you, you give your, your children uh, gifts for their birthday or whenever, um, do they necessarily deserve those gifts at all times? Uh, absolutely not, right? Uh, my my two-year-old, uh, Michael, uh, who's going to be three in September, uh, th there are, are days that are more trying than others, and he tries our patience a little more than others. Um, and, and right after he tries our patience, he asks for, uh, you know, fruit snacks, right? And as a parent, it's like, no, you don't get fruit snacks right now. Uh, you, you've been terrible all day. No, but uh, sometimes... We, we give Michael a little bit of grace after a little talking to, right? And we give him the, uh, some fruit snacks occasionally. It's not a good practice all the time when, when your child uh, is, is uh, bad behavior and just give them what they want. But that was grace given by, by us as parents, I guess. But grace gives salvation. It's because of God's deep love for us that he gave us grace. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. What is that? That is mercy. We should not perish. We're not getting what we deserve. But then, but have everlasting life. That, that is grace. We, we don't deserve everlasting life, but God in his grace gave it to us. I like this song here, in, uh, it's 19 in our, in our blue hymnal. Sinner saved by grace. Could I just read a, a few of these words here? If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you would see the miracle of love that took me in his sweet embrace and made me what I am today, a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, he took my place. Now I grow and breathe in freedom with each breath of life I take. Loved and forgiven, back with the living, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's by God's grace that he gives us salvation. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm thankful for God's salvation tonight. I'm usually preaching in the evening, this morning. There was a man, maybe you know his, his name, Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey was the music director, song leader, soloist, uh, really anything musical. He was the assistant uh, to, to Dr. Uh, D.L. Moody. And uh, Mr. Moody and, and Mr. Sankey, they would travel all throughout Europe and throughout America, preaching at different revivals, and, and they saw scores. And uh, usually, you know, as, as Baptists, or, 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 uh, sometimes we, we like to exaggerate numbers and say, oh yeah, we had scores of people make decisions tonight and all that. Um, but literally, they, they literally had scores of people, thousands of people that would flock to these meetings just to hear uh, Dr. Moody preach and just to hear uh, Mr. Sankey sing. There was a time when they were in Brooklyn. They came back from Europe and, and they were uh, preaching a, a set of meetings in Brooklyn. 
And uh, they were at a rink, and, and I'm guessing maybe that some, something related to a, 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 a skating rink, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, but they were at the rink where they could house as many people as they could for these meetings. And he would say they would even have like an early 845 service, uh, and, and there would be thousands of people. They'd have to turn away thousands of people at the door for an early meeting. They would have afternoon service. And uh, th- this one uh, particular afternoon service, they had to uh, say, I'm sorry, you can't come in to 15,000 people. Can you, can you just wrap your mind around that? It's incredible to think about how hungry people were for the Bible, how hungry people were for the truth, how hungry people were to hear the, the man of God preach God's word. Then we have uh, 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 Ira Sankey, he, he shared this experience on that afternoon after the service. They would have these inquiry rooms where uh, people could come in and, and, and kind of like an invitation to where people could come in and accept Christ as their Savior. And if they had a question, if they needed to talk to uh, uh, Mr. Moody or, or Mr. Sankey, that, that they could talk to him then and, and share uh, the gospel with them. And it was during one of these inquiry times that uh, Mr. Sankey remembers a man who was well-dressed and, and uh, looked like a sharp man, uh, come in. And Mr. Sankey asked him, Sir, would you be willing to accept Christ as your Savior? And this man said, Christ won't forgive me. Christ will not forgive me for what I've done. He said, Sir, do you want him to forgive you? And he said, Well, you see, here's the story. For eight years now, I've, I've been a follower of, of a, a profound atheist of that time. And I, I've been preaching against Christ for eight years. I would travel the world speaking against Jesus Christ and those who claim themselves to be Christians. For eight years. And I don't believe that God can forgive me for that. He said, well, did you have peace when you spoke against Christ? When, when you would get up and, and, and denounce Christ and, and, and speak against Christ, did you have peace doing so? He said, not at all. He said, I was a coward. See, there, there was even a time when I was on a ship and the storm came out of nowhere and, and I was afraid for my life and I, and I tried so hard uh, to, to, to try to uh, keep this boat afloat. And then and there I would cry out to God and say, God, please spare me and please spare my life and please save us. And the storm would pass, and, and, and the ship was fine. But then he said, I would just go right back on my old ways. I would go right back. after, As soon as I prayed the prayer, and that prayer was answered by God, I would go back to the way I was living. He said, you see, there, there was a summer where my mother, who was very sick and elderly, she wrote to me, and she said, Son, when Mr. Moody and Mr. Sankey come back to America... Would you please go to one of those meetings? Would you promise me that you would go and, and, and hear them preach? And he said, yes, Mama, I'll do that. I wrote a letter back and said, I, I will do that for you. Well, that was this time, and that's where he was. And, and he said, I, I've been coming now yesterday and today. I've closed my office. He was a civil engineer. Uh, I've closed my office these two days, and I've been so troubled. It seems that this power has... has has take, gripped my mind, and I can't get my, my, my mind off of this thing. I'm just dealing with how, how much I've sinned against God, and I, I don't know how He could ever forgive me. And he said, I, I came to this meeting, and, and I suppose that it's this unknown power to me that 
I'm here speaking to you today. And Ira Sankey told him, well, would you, would you be willing to let Christ forgive you? And would you be willing to accept him? Because it's not too late. And this man, shaking, literally shaking from knowing what, what he had done and knowing that, hey, if I call out to Christ, he can save me. He said, by the grace of God, I accept Christ as my Savior. And this, this man who was uh, uh, on the outside seemed to be put together, civil engineer, successful, yet he had something missing in his life, and it was Christ. He had that hole in his heart that caused him to close his office twice just to obey his mother to, to go to these meetings, and yet the Holy Spirit was convicting him and convicting him and convicting him and brought him to that point in his life where he said, I, I, I need to talk to Mr. Sankey about this thing. By the grace of God, I accept Christ as my Savior. Mr. Sankey said, would you please write your mother and tell her that you've made that decision? A few days later, it came back. They were still having the meetings. He said to, to this man, have, have you written your mother? He said, yes, I did, but not before I, I uh, I'm going to forget the term because it was an old term, sent, sent something ahead. Uh, it wasn't quite a telephone call, but it was before that. Uh, dispatched, right? And uh, so uh, he said, yes, I, I dispatched uh, my, my mom and I told her, these three words, I found Jesus. And then he signed his name. And, uh, and the, the Iris Sangi said, well, well, praise the Lord. Thank God. And he said, that's exactly what my mother dispatched back to me. Thank God, oh my soul. You know, God works in people's lives, and you may think that you're the worst sinner of the worst. But yet, could I remind you, and uh, I'll share this quote with you. Charles Spurgeon said this, Now I will say this to every sinner, Though he should think himself to be uh, the worst sinner who ever lived, cry to the Lord and seek him while he may be found. A throne of grace is a place fitted for you. By simple faith, go to your Savior, for he is the throne of grace. There was another man, John, who uh, growing up, he, he would learn Bible passages and songs from his mother who was very sick. And at her knee, he, he would memorize the, these Bible passages. But yet, as his mother died at the age of seven, he decided to, to try to live a good life and, and actually got further and further into sin. And, and really, he, he was forced uh, to join the British Navy, and uh, he, he uh, defected. He tried to get out of that situation, but the Navy caught up with them. They found him, and, and, and they whipped him. They, they flogged him and punished him for, for trying to get out. After that, he became a, a slave uh, trade, a slave trader, slave owner, slave master of, of this ship, and uh, he would sail and uh, and, and do the, the the slave business. And he said there was one night in particular, on March 9th, that he was on his his uh, slave ship there, and there was a storm that came out of nowhere. And he was afraid for his life. He was afraid for the life of his crew. He thought that surely this thing is going to capsize. This storm is going to break the ship and we will all perish. And he remembered as, as he was, uh, he tied himself to, to, to the helm of that ship trying to just keep it in course. He remembered those memories of those Bible passages. He remembered his mother teaching him those songs and, and having the knowledge of God. And, and he later accounted of that night and, and the, the day after as he uh, toiled all night trying to stay afloat. He later wrote, that 10th of March is a day much remembered by me, and I have never suffered it to pass unnoticed since the year 1748. The Lord came from on high and delivered me out of deep waters. This man is the man that wrote Amazing Grace. 
How sweet the sound. We sang it this morning. John Newton. Ephesians 1.7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Christopher Columbus said this, I am a most noteworthy sinner, but I have cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I have found the sweetest consolation since I made it my whole purpose to enjoy His marvelous presence. Could I ask you this morning, have you found God's grace? Have you experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Not only does grace give salvation, but grace gives service. In Ephesians chapter 3, you have your Bibles there in Ephesians 2. Go ahead and flip over to the next page. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the, grace of, uh, uh, the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The Apostle Paul said, Hey, I I'm nobody special. I'm the least of the saints. I'm the chief of the sinners. But yet it's by God's grace that he put me into the ministry. It was Noah in, in Genesis 6 and 7 who, when he was given the instruction to build the ark for 120 years during the construction of that ark, uh, the book of Hebrews records him as a preacher of righteousness. He preached to those, those folks there. And, and he told them the message of the Lord. And he tried to get as many as he could to come on the ark with them, but it ended up being only him and his family. I remember uh, when I was preparing uh, for the ministry, going to Golden State Baptist College. Um, I, I felt God wanted me to be a preacher. I uh, didn't know to what extent he wanted me in the ministry, but I was just going to follow that call in my life. And it, it, it's funny because for me, if, if, if you knew me as a 7th, 8th grader uh, high, through high school, man, I, I just I tried to avoid anything of public speaking. I mean, when I would get in front of people... Uh, my face would turn red. I'd feel all that heat just rush right in, and I'd stutter and stammer, and, and uh, I, I was just, I was a nervous wreck. I thought, Lord, there's no way that you could use someone like me. I, I, I don't even, I don't like getting in front of people. And uh, I remember, uh, Brother Caleb, you probably remember this too, but uh, our youth pastor's wife had, uh, I think it was a four and five-year-old's class and uh, it was, uh, I think it was either Sunday school or, or a, a Wednesday uh, kids program class. And uh, literally, I, I tried everything to avoid any, any kind of speaking engagement, like to get in front of people and sharing a challenge or whatever. I knew God called me to preach, but I was just so scared to death of it. And uh, it got to the point where uh, Miss Taryn, our youth pastor's wife, had asked us, okay, what about teaching the four and five-year-olds a Bible lesson? And... Uh, I, I, think, I think I kind of avoided it for, for a little while until it was like, okay, I, I guess I'll do that. And uh, I remember uh, teaching those kids about King Josiah. And uh, man, I, I was a nervous wreck uh, teaching the four and five-year-olds. And, and uh, our teachers of the four and five-year-olds, uh, I, I know what you go through, okay? I, I understand. Um, but then I went to college and, and there was this class called um, Professional Communications. It was a speech class. Supposed to take it about when you're a freshman, but uh, I was so nervous about it, I think I took it like second semester, sophomore year, uh, just because I, I wanted to avoid it as long as possible. And you know who my teacher was? 
was our pastor. He was the teacher. And uh, man, that, that class, I, I was just I was so nervous about just getting up and speaking in, in front of people at that point. And, and uh, I remember our final uh, grade, our final test, our final exam to be able to pass the class, you had to give a last word speech. And, uh, you know, the, the words that you would say, like on your deathbed. And I thought, man, it's hard enough to get up in front of people uh, just to talk about anything. But my last words, like, really? That, that scared me. It was nerve wracking. Good night. What am I going to say? And I have to, I have to be all, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'll get emotional and I'll break down and start crying. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, I just remember those times of, of how God uh, continued to, to, to shape me and mold me and, and help me with those different areas uh, and, you know, taking preaching classes and different things. I, I just thought, Lord, it's, it's going to have to be your grace uh, to do this because I cannot. And uh, I still get nervous getting up in front of people and speaking, but uh, it's by God's grace that, that he's, he's given me the opportunity to serve. And for you, he's given you the opportunity to serve. He's given you that grace, not only to save you, but to put you into service. As Christians, we all have the opportunity and duty to preach or proclaim the good news of God's grace. Mark 16, 15, Great Commission, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Not only does God, uh, God's grace give salvation and service, but it also gives sufficiently. Grace gives sufficiently. Have you ever felt lost? You ever felt alone and felt inadequate? You ever felt beaten and battered by your situation or a situation, that, a trial that you've been through? Could I remind you what Romans 5.20 says about our sinful condition? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. James 4.6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You know, the Apostle Paul, he knew a thing or two about suffering. The Bible says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God three times, Lord, please take it from me. I can't, I, I don't know if I can handle this. But yet, God answered him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Whatever your case may be, whatever trial, whatever trouble that you're in, know that God's grace is sufficient for you. Charles Spurgeon says, So truly is the riches of grace. There are minds too deep for man's finite understanding ever to fathom. However profound your investigation, there is still a deep couching beneath which baffles all research. That is the depths of the riches of God's grace that's available to you and it's available to me as Christians. So going back to our main points, we got number one, grace gives. Number two, what does grace do? Number two, grace grows. Grace grows. In 2 Peter, turn your Bible there, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever grace grows grace isn't just to save us which I'm thankful that God's grace his divine favor unmerited favor for us as sinners uh, to give us eternal life and a home in heaven that's wonderful 
And that's by God's amazing grace. But accepting Christ as your Savior and experiencing that form of grace that God gives every one of us is not the end of the story. That kind of grace that God gives to us is so much deeper than just salvation. God's grace to us is also, uh, it's just the beginning because God gives us a daily grace. God says that we can grow in grace. God says we can grow as Christians. We're not supposed to stay baby Christians the rest of our life. Man, God has given us his holy word. He's given us the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he's given us the, the desire to learn more. And if we allow grace to grow in our life, we will too grow as Christians and mature uh, as Christ would have us to. 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 1 through 3 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire this sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye ha uh, have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Jim uh, Elliot, he was a missionary to the Aka Indians, he said this, How wonderful to know that Christianity is more than a padded pew or a dim cathedral, but that it is a real, living, daily experience which goes on from grace to grace. D.L. Moody said, If if you were to spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God, you would not be going about with your heads hanging down like bulrushes, complaining how poor you are, but you would lift up your heads with confidence and proclaim the riches of His grace because you could not help it. You know what, what, what the effect is of allowing grace to work in your life every day? You know what the effect is of getting in God's Word and reading about the promises that He gives to us as Christians? When we're reminded of His goodness, when we're re re reminded of His promises, when we are reminded of His grace, we're not going to have our heads hanging low. We're, we're, we're going to have it to where we can't even help it but to tell other people about how good God is, about the grace that He gives us, not just at salvation, but also for every day of our life. Grace grows. It grows our relationship with Christ. It solidifies our foundation and so could I ask you this morning, how often do you spend time in God's Word? My last point tonight, uh, tonight, this morning, is grace grants. Not only does grace give, grace grows and grace grants. What does grace grant to us as Christians? Grace grants access to the throne of God. Let me read to you Matthew 27. This is when Jesus is hanging on the cross. And could, uh, I'll just I'll step back a little bit. Um, in the Old Testament, we have the temple, we have the tabernacle, and there are the the inner court, the outer court, inner court, and then that 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 center uh, spot was the most holy, the holy of holies. That's where the ark was kept, the ark of the covenant. That's where God's presence was, and nobody was allowed to go into the holy of holies. There was a thick curtain a thick veil that, that would separate the Holy of Holies from, from that inner court there. Only the priest could go in. Nobody was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies because we were not worthy. But yet in Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus is hanging on the cross there, and the Bible says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. You know what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross? 
He tore that veil that separated us from going to the throne of grace to where we could have direct access to God. We could go to God through prayer. We could have communication with the, the creator, the one who made us. What a powerful tool that is for us as Christians. Grace grants us access to the throne of God. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is the most effective yet often neglected power tool for the Christian. For me, as I think about this privilege of prayer, the opportunity that we have that we can actually go to God personally, it's unfathomable. It's unbelievable. It's so awesome to think about that a holy God, a powerful God, an omniscient, an omnipotent God would, would want to allow us access directly to Him. And it's because of His grace. Think about it for a moment. As God is a creator of everything, both natural, supernatural, things that we see and things we don't even see, the spiritual, God is a creator of all of that. For example, go outside on a clear night and look at the stars in the sky. And as you see those stars in the sky, just think about how far those stars actually are. There was a, a, a scientist, a researcher that, that tried to figure out, okay, with, with the naked human eye, how many stars could, could one actually see on a clear night? And uh, th they did a study, and, and they actually came up with a very specific number. That number might be lower than we would think, but it's 9,096 stars that are visible to the human eye. You take, we got two uh, hemispheres, so we can probably take that uh, and split it in half, because obviously we can't see the stars on the other side of the earth that are over there. But yet, those stars are so far away from us, we start to think of the magnitude of God. If you were to go to the nearest star to our earth, our, our, our star, the sun, is the smallest of all the stars and if, if you, uh, of the observable universe. If you were to go to the nearest star, I'm not going to pronounce the name because I won't do a, a very good justice, but if, I, if we were to travel to that nearest star and look back at earth, you wouldn't even be able to see it. Earth is such a small speck that you, going to the nearest star, you would not e even be able to see Earth. And so as you think about that and you think about us as humans on this Earth that we think is so huge, yet God, even though He's so big, there are one billion trillion stars in the observable universe. Observable universe. They, they haven't found the end. There's no end. And yet that God that created the universe, that God that put all those stars in the sky and so far away we can't even comprehend how big space is. Yet that God was willing to allow us access to his throne by his grace. Do we deserve it? Not at all. But by his unmerited favor, we have direct access to the throne of grace. You know what's amazing? Think about all this and about how big God is and how, how awesome He is that He would allow us access through prayer. But God doesn't just allow us access. God doesn't just say, okay, yeah, you can come to me. That's open now. Jesus Christ, open that door. You can come to my throne and you can talk directly to me. 
That's awesome. But what's even more awesome is that God not only allows us access, but that he wants us to talk to him. Not just that he allows us to, but that he desires a personal relationship with you. That's God's grace. After all we've done against him, after all that we actually deserve and we're not going to get, God still loves you and God still wants to have a personal relationship with you. Could I ask you this morning, how often do you spend time talking with God? Grace, it gives. Grace grows as a Christian. We can experience a daily grace. Grace grants us that awesome power tool of prayer that we can go to the creator of the universe. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, you've never experienced God's saving grace. You've never experienced that personal relationship with Jesus Christ because you've never accepted him as your savior. Could I encourage you this morning to make that decision? And I'll just very quickly give you a plan of salvation and and I, I like uh, the wording to this, and, and maybe you can, you can remember this. But number one, we must look inward. We must recognize our condition. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one's perfect. Looking inward, we know that we're sinners. As we look forward, we see that there is a judgment for our sin. The Bible says that there's a penalty for the wages of sin is death. Revelation 20, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We can look inward and see we're sinners. We can look forward and see the end of our sin is judgment and death in a place called hell. But then we can look backward and see that somebody loved us so much that he died for us on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 Bible says, For I, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He uh, was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And as we look inward, knowing that we're sinners, and look forward, knowing that there's a coming uh, death penalty, we can look backward and see that Jesus already paid that penalty for us. And so what must we do? We must look upward. Say, God, would you forgive me for my sin? I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and I accept you as my Savior. We can look upward and trust Christ as our Savior, as your Savior, and receive him today. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I'll end with the, the verse that I started with this morning. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced the grace of God, could I invite you to come in just a few moments and trust Christ as your Savior? And for us as Christians who have already experienced the saving grace that God gives to us, could I exhort you to go out and tell other people about that grace of God? Let's not be silent. Noah, for 120 years, building that ark, he was a preacher of righteousness. We can all proclaim the truth that God saves. And let us not 
take for granted that wonderful tool, that opportunity, the privilege that we have to go directly to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.